Hey, New Life Church, thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us and you'd like to learn a little bit more about New Life Church, you can text the word CONNECT to the number 765-347-9127. Again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to see you guys next time. Well, today we're going to start a new series that we're going to do for the next several weeks, and it's called Showers to Flowers. Here we are in April, and you know the saying, April showers, what? They bring May flowers. And, uh, and, and, and we certainly have had our share of showers. And actually, last week, um, we got to have all four seasons in one week. Last Easter was beautiful, man. I stepped out, and I was like, what a beautiful day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Oh, it's awesome. And then Monday morning, I woke up, I looked at my phone, and I told Jenny, I said, uh, I was making a cup of coffee, and, and I said, my phone says it's 32 degrees outside. And she said, you know it's snowing, right? I said, no. And I opened the blinds, and I was verbally and physically upset. And then, of course, yesterday it hit 80. That's Indiana for you, all right? And so showers to flowers. I think, I think last week helps, really helps illustrate kind of the idea of this series. And that is that there are so many ups and downs in life. Dark seasons and seasons of great joy and pleasure and seasons where you just feel like there's a dark cloud over your life. I want to talk about a dark cloud this morning, actually. And, you know, the, the scripture has a lot to say about, about moving from death to life, darkness to life, feet stuck in miry clay to feet stead, steady and firm on a sturdy foundation, the rock of Jesus. But there's this dark cloud, you see. And so throughout this series, we, I just want to talk about some, uh, some stories of people that have gone from, from darkness to light, I hope it inspires you, because sometimes when you feel like there's a dark cloud just following you, and, and, and like everywhere you go, it just feels like there's this gloominess over your life it feels like 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 the early spring of indiana it's just like the grayness just won't go away we want to see some light finally and um and so we're going to talk through some different stories in this series um on mother's day um on mother's day i've invited my mom many of you maybe haven't even met my mom but my mom is going to join me on stage mother's day morning uh, and this is something she has never done in her life. Um, but because, um, cut the tape, I'm her favorite son. Okay, play the tape. Um, I have convinced her to come up here and join me. Uh, because on Mother's Day, if I could just make a little plug for Mother's Day, I really hope you be there. Um, on Mother's Day, I really tried to think of, you know, there's so many moms that need encouragement th today. There's single moms, there's working moms, there's stay-at-home moms, there's mothers that have, there's single moms that have been through divorce, there's moms of young children, youngs of teenager, uh, mothers of teenagers, then there's grandmothers and all this stuff. I said, man, there's so many moms that, that could be encouraged, and if I could encourage all of them with one person's story, it would be my mom, because she can speak to all of those circumstances, and she has a very showers to flowers story. And then uh, on May 15th, we have a very special discussion on May 15th, and actually uh, I've asked David and Wendy Myers to join me on May 15th and share their showers to flowers story of recent. 
But the dark cloud, the dark cloud. There is a dark cloud, I think, that is, that hovers over many people, especially nowadays. It's something that um, I know for me growing up, it wasn't something that we talked about a lot because I don't know that it was really a topic of discussion at the time. But I think we've, are maybe due to just the times we live in, this particular dark cloud continues to grow larger and larger uh, and consume more and more people. I know that when I look back, I see that there have been, certainly there have been times that this dark cloud has affected my life as well. This dark cloud that continues to really cause grief and pain in the lives of people is, it, it, is, it is the idea, the, this dark cloud of, of our mental health. And mental health gets a lot of discussion nowadays, but it's not something that we used to talk about very much at all. And really, I think that even uh, people that have struggled with mental health, um, I think for many years the church didn't even necessarily know what to do with them. I mean, I, I think many times when people would come with this overwhelming sadness on their life, this dark cloud, that it was a grief of depression or anxiety that they just really couldn't feel if they could get free from, and they and they and they would come to well-intentioned church people, and and sometimes when when you don't understand that dark cloud, that that overwhelmingly sadness that you just can't get free from, if if you've never experienced it, sometimes it's hard to empathize with it, and so I think many. Uh, well-intentioned people would, would look at people and say, hey, man, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, you know, like, the joy coming in the morning, you know. Praise him till you get a breakthrough. And, you know, like, and we have all these great things. But it's just like, for some, it just, it, it just didn't help. It, it didn't help. And, the, and this dark cloud is increasingly uh, grabbing people today. Uh, it's many times referred to as A-M-I, any mental illness, and this is how it's defined. Any mental health illness is defined as a mental, behavioral, or emotional disorder. Any mental health uh, illness can vary in impact, ranging from no impairment to mild, moderate, or even very severe impairment. In 2020, there was an estimated 52.9 million adults aged 18 or older in the United States with mental illness. This number represents 21% of all U.S. adults. This is just more than one out of every five adults has suffered with mental illness. Now, mental illness has a variety of, uh, it, it ranges in severity, obviously, um, there's, you know, mild mental illness is one where someone may just struggle with, with anxiety, depression, and overwhelming sadness in their life. Um, sometimes for, and they may not know why. And it can be even as severe as someone that could have schizophrenia, multiple personality disorder, and, uh, and, and, uh, and the like. And that is maybe, that is a little bit less rare but it is very, very common, one out of five adults that have suffered with some kind of mental illness. Actually, young adults aged 18 to 25 years old had the highest prevalence of mental health issues, 30.6%, compared to adults between the ages of 26 and 49, which is 25.3%, which I think we can all say is still very high. 
and aged 50 and older at 14.5%, which I think is still very high. And there are some things that suggest the reason for an uptick in the struggle in people's mental health. And uh, that is, there was a study in, in 2019 that suggests that particularly amongst young people, the use of social media uh, are more likely, those that use social media are more likely to experience mental health problems such as depression, anxiety, um, aggression, and even antisocial behavior, which is ironic because it's called social media, but it actually creates an antisocialism. There's, here's a few things about social media and how it affects the mind. One, it, uh, it can be very addictive because as one scrolls through, it does release a bit of euphoria in the mind and images. Number two, it actually can trigger more sadness. How so? Well, three is because there's a constant of comparing our lives to others, which is ultimately mentally unhealthy and mentally straining. And so, and, and, uh, and four, it leads to, to jealousy. And so the use of social media, being on the internet a lot, um, you're constantly seeing people's highlight reels, but they never show the behind the scenes. And so you think everyone's life should be a highlight reel. And anyone that's lived in reality knows uh, highlight reels are just that. They're highlights. But there is reality, and there are, there are valleys, there are disappointments. And the, the constant of measuring yourself to the world's highlight reels um, ultimately becomes quite depressing. And you begin to fantasize about what your life could be or should be, and, and you begin to really... Uh, think too much on what you don't have or who you're not. And this takes its toll on the mental health of, of, of people, regardless of age. But this is prevalent amongst our young people, our young adults. You know, there, there are, I want to talk a little bit about three particular uh, causes for mental health issues. Um, one cause of mental health illness can be biological. Um, this is something that could be hereditary. This is something that could have um, actually is a result of various infections or brain injury or even substance abuse. The, the, the second cause, uh, common cause of, of mental illness, it is psychological. Mental illness can come from childhood traumas. Emotional or physical abuse. Uh, for instance, losing a parent at a young age can lead to mental health uh, struggles. Or even someone who's experienced neglect. Another cause of mental illness is sometimes environmental. In other words, uh, and this is, I would say this is probably the most common one that I see in people today. I think people are walking around and, and they, they, they need help with their mental health and they don't know it yet. But a lot of these causes are stress-induced. Or maybe they've dealt with something like a death or a divorce. Or maybe they live in it with a dysfunctional family life and it's just always weighing on them. Or they have a low self-esteem or anger problems. Or they struggle with loneliness. These things weigh on the mind. 
Or maybe they've had a lot of change in their life. Maybe they've changed jobs or a child has changed schools. Or again, uh, it could be related to substance abuse by the person themselves or by persons around them. Maybe a parent or maybe a parent has a child going through substance abuse and it, and it weighs on them heavily. Um, one thing to keep in mind, regardless of whatever the cause is for one's uh, mental health issues, it's important to note that all mental health issues happen because we live in a broken world. And so for, if, if someone's here today and you feel like, okay, I, and maybe you're not, you wouldn't want to admit it, but there's a dark cloud hanging over your life. Um, I want you to know that there, there, you don't need to feel shame for that. Uh, most times, it's not even your fault. But it is a result of the fact that we just live in a broken world. And, and sin has a lot of effects. Sin affects innocent people. And so sometimes the sin of someone else has affected your reality, your world, and ultimately even your mental health. Also, struggling with your mental health does not make you weaker than others or more deserving of hardships. Because sometimes when people feel like there's this dark cloud over my life, I, I guess that, that, uh, that I'm just not as strong as that person over there who always seems to be happy. And I would tell you that sometimes that person that seems to be the happiest is actually in my office because they're just trying to, to fake it, to get through it. And again, it's that constant comparison, but, but, but it's important for you to know that if you feel like there's this dark cloud hanging over your life, you just, you just feel like there's this overwhelming sadness over your life, anxiety, depression, I, I just want you to know, it doesn't mean that you're weaker than anyone else or more deserving of that type of personal uh, hardship. And also, I, the, the big thing that I, I want you to understand is that, that mental health treatment, I think, should include a medical approach. Let, let, let me help you understand. So this is where I think the church could really learn some things. I'm not saying New Life Church, I'm saying the church at large could learn some things about mental health is that uh, many times when people come to us and, and they have this overwhelming cloud in their life and it, it, is, it is a mental illness uh, issue, you know, we, uh, we, we tell them good things. You know, we, go memorize the scripture. You know, worship till you get a breakthrough. And I think you should. But I also think that there are many people that need to include a medical approach to their mental illness. Because here, here's the thing. Um, if somebody came to the altar this morning and said, Pastor, I have high blood pressure, my cholesterol's bad, um, my, my heart, I mean, my, I mean, the doctors are, I mean, I, I really feel like I'm really close to like a potential heart attack. Also, heart attacks and heart disease is prevalent in my family. Like, like, it's, it's, like it, it, it's in my DNA. Like, like my daddy's 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 daddy. They all died from heart attacks, but will you pray? Will you pray for my heart because I just, I'm feeling some chest pain. Actually, I'm feeling some chest pain right now, pastor. And will you just pray for me? And, I will, and of course I will say, I will pray for you. And we will believe God that he will miraculously heal you. But buddy, you better call the stinking doctor. Oh, I don't need no doctor, I just, I just need this altar. Well, I'm glad you're at this altar, and we're going to pray and believe God for you. But I think you should go see the doctor, because it could save your 
life. If someone has a kidney problem, we would, you would make a, a, an appointment to see your kidney doctor. I'm sure they have a fancy name for that, and I don't know it. Whatever you said, it sounds great. <laughs> mothers, uh, expecting mothers, see an OBGYN, right? Um, you go to the eye doctor when you have issues with the eye. But we should have a medical approach to our mental health as well. Because for some people, the dark cloud hanging over them, maybe it has been trauma-induced or stress-induced or, or, or it, is, it is something that is in their family line. We, we don't know, but you should, see, you, should seek, you, should, you should talk to your doctor. Because these types of stresses and things on the mind and on your, your psychological thinking, on your mental health, it does affect your mental health, and a doctor can help you. I, what, I, what I don't want religious people to hear me saying is that I don't believe God can heal you, and that is not what I'm saying. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, to be some kind of progressive Christian or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But it, listen, if you eat Big Macs every day of your life, and you don't work out, and like, like you are putting strain on your heart. And people today go through so much stuff, so much hardship, you're putting strain on your mental health. And you should likely see a doctor. If, you, if it's something you cannot break free from, you should likely see a doctor. So as a church, we must approach mental illness also in the same way God would approach any brokenness with grace and mercy, so that anyone that would ever feel like they are having a struggle in their mental health, that they would never feel ashamed to admit it, but that the church at large would always approach people with mental health issues in the same way God would, would approach any kind of brokenness, with grace and mercy and compassion. We would come alongside of these people, and we would believe God with them. But also, here's one, if you, if you personally feel like you have this dark cloud over your life and you struggle with, with in your mental health, and, and listen, when I say mental health, I'm not saying insane. You know, I know people say, mental health issues, you're thinking of like an insane person in a straitjacket in a, a sane asylum. If you're thinking that, then you and I aren't talking about the same thing, okay? I'm talking about this emotional part of you you're, and you're thinking, your mental well-being, that's what I'm talking, and we all, I promise you, we have all had struggles in this, okay? But, but if that is you, if, if, you were the, if you're sitting here today and you feel something gripping you saying, I think he's talking about me, or maybe you're sitting there saying, I, this is for someone I know or love, then here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that God can miraculously heal all physical and all all mental needs. He can do it. He can do it. And uh, I, I, I want to go to a, a scripture this morning here in a second about Elijah. Here, Elijah in 1 Kings, he is, he is on the run for his life because uh, Queen Jezebel wants, his, wants him gone. Okay. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And uh, this kind of fear that Elijah has, it, it is safe to say, would take a toll on his mental state. He was afraid 
and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. I want to I make a point here. That if or when you feel that dark cloud coming over you, and your mental health may be not where it needs to be, do not isolate. Elijah, he runs off a day's trip into the wilderness all by himself. This is not a good idea. You need people in your life. You need people that will encourage you because, listen, there's some days you will not encourage yourself. You will just convince yourself of how bad it is, how bad off you are, and ultimately even convince yourself like Elijah's about to that you don't even need to live anymore. You do not isolate. Isolation does not help depression. But he runs off to the wilderness. Do not isolate. And then it says, he came to a, a broom bush. He sat down under it, and he prayed to God that he might die. He says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. People pray this prayer. They say, I have had enough. And what is Elijah's issue? Somebody wants him dead. And somebody wants him gone, and he is stressed. Now he's isolated, and now his prayer has not turned to, Lord, save me, it's Lord, kill me. What I want you to know is that God can handle your desperate prayers. God can handle Elijah's desperate prayer. He can handle your desperate prayer. And God will handle his desperate prayer here as well. But, but listen to what he says. He says, Take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. It seems as though that Elijah, who's running for his life from Queen Jezebel, now he's escaped off into isolation into the wilderness, now thinking, okay, God, I'm just better off dead. Why? Because he's no better than his dad. In other words, he may be thinking to himself that, that his failure or how he's feeling, that he must be cursed in some way. That he is just like, I'm, he's saying, I'm just like my family. I'm just like my family. In other words, I must be helpless too. I'm just like my dad. I'm just like my grandfather. I'm just like my mother. I'm just like my ancestors. And I'm no better than them. Which makes me wonder if Elijah had been trying to live up to something all his life that he's, I will not be like him. I will not be like him. I will not be like him. And here he is. He's like, oh, I'm just like him. It's interesting that as a parent, you always say, I'm going to do this better. I'm, 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 I'm going to do this better than my dad. I'm going to do it better. And then the first time you get annoyed, you open your mouth and your dad comes out. I said I wasn't going to do it. Well, this is far deeper than that. This is Elijah who is comparing himself to the failures of his family and identifying himself by his family's failures and ultimately saying, because they must have been helpless, I must just be like him. 
Well, then it says, then he laid down under the bush and he fell asleep. Watch what happens. All at once, an angel touched him. He said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, then he lied down again. I don't know how the bread got there. I don't know how the water got there. I don't know if the Lord prompted someone to take it there or the or Lord just made it appear. I do not know. But God heard Elijah's desperate prayer. that His prayer of, I'm better off dead. I'm a failure like my family. And he goes to sleep, probably hoping to never wake up again. I mean, God hears that desperate prayer. And what was God's answer? Food, water, and rest. God had a physical solution to his emotional problem. This is why I'm telling you, the dark cloud of mental illness, when it plagues people's lives, it needs to include a medical solution as well sometimes. You need to include, the, you need to include your doctor into this discussion. So he goes back to sleep. And then uh, it says... The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Again, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, he ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. The solution for for Elijah, a man who was ready to not live anymore, the solution was physical. It was rest. It was to recover and to replenish himself. Because at in his current state, the angel of the Lord said, you, you do not have the strength to do this. You're not going to make this journey in your current state. There are people that are trying in their current state to complete a journey, and they are exhausted. They've exhausted all their resources and mentally just aren't sharp. And then we try, to, we try to work this way. We try to parent this way. We try to be married this way. And it is incredibly painful and usually ends in disaster. So I want to give you a few things about this this morning. And as, as I do, I like three things because I think that you might remember three things or you can think about three things. But the first thing is this, is the focus of our minds will hinder or it will help our emotional health. The focus of our minds. If you focus all of your thinking on who you don't think you are and what you don't think you have and how you don't measure up, then you will constantly live your life out of that thought of of being a failure. Or if you've focused your thinking on on who you know God's called you to be and you put your thinking on something hopeful, then it puts a little spark in you. And it says, I may be down for a while, but I'm getting back up. I'm going to thrive. You you can put two people, one that that their thinking hurts them and one that their thinking helps them. Put them in, in the exact same situation. One will thrive and one will not. The only difference was a personal fortitude within them to remain 
positive and hopeful and to focus on the good and the other the focus is on the bad and the worry and the doubt I've shared this story many times um, and and so it'll be familiar to some of you but when I was a fourth grader uh, in Grove City Pennsylvania um, I don't even I don't even know what what overcame me but, but I was overcome as a fourth grader with incredible anxiety. Um, I would go to school every morning and cry. Like, like it was a cry out of fear. I was, I was terribly afraid. I did have a fourth grade teacher that intimidated me a lot. He wasn't the kindest man. Um, but, but every morning I was gripped by fear because I didn't know what today held. And I didn't feel like I could control it, and I would just cry. And, and he would annoyingly you know, tell, remove me from the classroom. He'd sit me out in the hallway by myself until I could get myself together. And I'd just be out there like, what is my problem? Like, why can't I get myself together? This is embarrassing. Crying in front of all my buddies that I'm going to be out in recess playing football with. But I'm, I just I couldn't control every morning, every morning. And so you know, he's, he's complaining to my parents about, about my inability to keep myself together every morning and and even one night, my mom woke up in the middle of the night with this thought that maybe somebody was hurting me and I wasn't telling her. Because this was weighing on her mind now. Why is my son so overcome with worry and, and, and he's so anxious, he's so full of fear? And I didn't know either. But So I remember she came in, upstairs in my room because uh, I was one of four boys and my room was the attic, you know. <laughs> and I was probably sweating up there. But, and uh, she came and she woke me up and, and she said... Uh, she, she was asking me all these questions about, like, is someone hurting you? Is someone doing something inappropriate to you? And I'm like, what? No. And so we, it just went on this way and on this way. And, and, then, and then finally my dad, who he too was worried about this, my, my, my dad sat me down. And, and I know I've told this story before. But he gave me this little pocket New Testament. I can still see it in my mind to this day. And he turned me in that pocket New Testament to Matthew chapter 6. Man, I'm feeling emotional right now. <laughs> he turned to Matthew chapter 6 and like the 25th verse. And it says, and he read it to me. It says, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. And it goes on to say, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't have barns. But your heavenly Father feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? And who by worrying can add a single hour to their life? And he highlighted it with a highlighter. He took that little pocket New Testament, he spun me around, he stuck it in my back pocket, and he gave me one of those. He says, go get them. And I go to that fourth grade class, and I start to feel the, the t- chest, and I start to feel the pressure, feel the anxiety coming over me, and I reach in my back pocket. I pull out that little New Testament and I turn to Matthew chapter 6 and I would read, and the birds of the air, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't work for it. But your heavenly Father feeds them. And who by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And uh, I would read it and read it and read it when I didn't feel it. I would read it. I wouldn't feel it. I would read it. And I'd feel the tears welling up my eyes just like right now. And I just... I wouldn't look. I was like, no eye contact with nobody. I'm just, I'm just reading Matthew 6, 25. And then one day, I just, 
It just left. Because every time it would return, I'd say, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, mm-mm. Because my worry is worthless because it doesn't add a single hour to my life. And and in other words, I realized I had a fear that I wasn't in control, but then I became completely okay that I wasn't in control because God was in control. The birds of the air, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't work for it, but the Heavenly Father feeds them. Oh, doesn't mean the storms don't come. Doesn't mean that my teacher's going to be nice. But I know that God's in control. I carried that little New Testament in my back pocket, all of fourth grade, all of fifth grade, all of sixth grade, all of seventh grade, all of eighth grade. And I got to high school, and I got to be a little bit ashamed of it, and so I left it at home. I was like, ah, it's kind of weird. Got walking around with the Bible in his back pocket. How are you going to get a girlfriend? I figured it out eventually, but I didn't figure it out enough. The focus of our minds can hinder or help our emotional health. Look at what Philippians chapter 4 says. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about those things. Think about those things. Fix your mind on those things. That's what my dad taught me. He says, you're so focused on your worry. You need to put this word in your heart. The second thing is to recognize that you have limitations. We live in a day and age where like, people work more than ever. People, their, their time is occupied by more things than ever. And um, it's important to recognize that you have limits. And sometimes we might look at somebody else in our workplace and say, man, they just, they, they just, they can do it all. And I, I need to try to live up to them. Or, or we look at the Jones across the street and we say, well, I, I got to keep up with the Jones. I got to get the new car. I got to get the new house. Or, or you know, I got to do the thing. I got I to gotta get involved in this activity. I see them getting involved in all these things. But listen, that's not your race. That's theirs. And what you don't know is the Jones may be deep in debt, stressed out, and on the verge of divorce. But you want their life for some reason because you see their highlight reel. No, you have to recognize that you have limitations. This was the single greatest lesson I've learned as a pastor. Is that it took me <laughs> more than a decade maybe 12, 13 years to figure this out, to figure out that I had limitations, that I can't say yes to everything and everyone. Whatever you say yes to, you're saying no to something else. And you're usually saying no to your marriage, and you're saying no to your kids, and then, oh, the tension. Oh, I feel it right now, just the way I used to be. You have to recognize that you have limitations. A few years ago, um, years ago in ministry, we were in the middle of planting a church, I was a full-time college student, full-time pastor. Like I said, we're planting a church. I had three kids and a wife. You know, like, all, I mean, I was going in a million different directions. I mean, when you're, when you're planting a church, I mean, like, everything matters. I was going a million different directions. 
I was, I was up late at night, up early in the morning, doing school, trying to, trying to let Jenny know I love her, I care for her, I'm going to give her time, and I, I, and I know I wasn't the best at it, and, and trying to let my three kids know I love them, I want to spend time with them, I know I wasn't the best at it. I just felt, I just got to a point where I was like, I'm doing so many things, and I don't think I'm doing any one of them well. Like, like I'm just mediocre. I'm, I actually feel like I'm failing a little bit at everything, but I just don't know where to turn, and, and, and and it got to a point where I was actually at a leadership conference. I was there with some other pastors, uh, pastor friends of mine. I was at this leadership conference, and all week long, I had been struggling with some dizziness. And I was like, man, I just, I just feel dizzy. I don't know why I feel dizzy. And, uh, and, and it just kept escalating and escalating. And, and so someone said, maybe you need to get your eyes checked. Okay, oh, okay. So again, looking for a physical solution to what seemingly being an emotional problem. And so I go to the, the eye doctor and ultimately they tell me, you're getting old and you do need low, low power glasses. And I was like, thank you. And then they wanted me to pay for that advice. <laughs> like doctors get to do that. They just insult you and then bill you. Some, I know people that would be great at that. They'd be really rich. Um, so anyway, I don't really wear them ever, but, but it escalated, escalated. So I'm at this leadership conference, with, and, uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm sitting up in the balcony with, with, with a good friend of mine. Uh, dude, I just I feel off. And it wasn't until the moment where, where I, <laughs> I spend the latter part of the conference laying on the floor in between the seats, laying on the floor, world spinning around me, that I see my friend look over and goes, are you ready to go find help now? And, and he was right. He's been telling me all week long, have you, have you gone to your doctor? I'm like, I don't need a doctor. I don't need a doctor. I'll be fine. Just keep pushing through. Here I am. I'm laying on the floor in between rows, and he looks at me and says, are you ready to call somebody about this? And I was like, yes, because I, I, I couldn't move. So I, I, I do. I make an appointment. I go see the doctor. They run various tests or whatever. He says, you're a healthy young man. I was like, you know, like sometimes no news feels like bad news. Like, like I want an answer. Like, like uh, I've been struggling with this. Uh, you're saying all my results look good. You're saying I'm healthy, but, but I, I'm, not, I'm not okay. And he just puts his hand on, on my knee. And he's an older gentleman. He puts his hand on my knee. He says, tell me what you do for a living. And so I began to explain to him my life. He said, son, you have to understand your limitations. And I understood that what I was experiencing was stress-induced. And I never thought I was prone to stress, but everybody has their limits. I found mine. And it's not fun to live that close to the edge. And um, so, so the doctor gave me great advice. He, I needed to rest. I needed to, I needed to eat better because when you're that consumed by all the things and trying to do all the things, you, you, you don't think about your health. And so he's like, you need, you need to be healthy. You need to, you need to eat better. You need, to, and he says, you need to exercise. I'm like, I ain't got no time for that. He's like, just walk. You need, you need to take walks. And, uh, and he says, and you need to rest. And of course, um, after my appointment, I, I call my, my beautiful wife and and she says, well, what did the doctor say? She was very worried about me. And I, and I, I told her what he said. And, and she said, isn't that what I've been telling you? 
You could have saved us. Okay. It took me 10, 13 years, like I said, to learn some of these things. Which honestly, this is, this is also really good advice. It's not in my notes, but this is really good. And if you're married, you should write this down. Sometimes the voice of God sounds like your spouse. I say that jokingly, but I say that extremely seriously. So many times when I finally hit rock bottom and I hear the voice of God speaking to me and I'm like, oh no, I have to go report back to Jenny what you said. (laughs) And it's exactly what she's been saying for years. And she was right. She said, Devin, you're doing too much. You're pushing too hard. Um, she said, you know, we're, she said, we'll be at your funeral someday, but all these people that you're, you're killing yourself for, they're not going to be at your funeral someday. So what are you doing? You're killing yourself for people that don't care. I'm like, oh, man. And, uh, but I had to recognize my limitations, and, uh, but, but, and I had to seek medical treatment. And, uh, and that was, at the time, that was probably a story I wouldn't want to share any, with anybody in my church because I felt like it made me weaker. I, I, I thought that I, I resisted going to the doctor for so long because if I go to the doctor, it's going to look like weakness and people are going to see that their pastor is maybe incapable of doing everything. And, uh, but I can stand here today and like I tell people all the time, no, <laughs> not like that, not like that. Yeah, thank you. I, because I remember lying on the floor staring at the ceiling I'm not going back there because uh, I want to live a long time. I love my wife. I love my kids. And, uh, and, I, and I have this overwhelming sense of God's call in my life to do what I do. But to do what I do, I, I have to understand I have limitations. And I say that not for you to think about me, but to think about you. That God has a call in your life, too. You're married, you have kids, you have a job, whatever it is. You know, God has a race for you, and it's different than mine, but, but you have to seek that out, and, and you have to know your boundaries and know your limitations. Look at Psalm 139. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is anything offensive in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's the moment I had to come to. I said, okay, God, I physically, mentally, emotionally, I'm not okay. There's a dark cloud over my, my, my life. Search me. Search me. Know my every anxious thought. And ultimately, God helped lead me in a way, in this way of everlasting. And, uh, and so I, I encourage those of you here today to, to pray that prayer. And, and maybe in that search, it means to stop believing lies and start believing God's truth like my dad taught me. It might mean making a call to your family doctor and, and just, just, just to see, just to make an appointment, just, just to let him know what's going, him or her know what's going on. And, uh, and learning how uh, and understanding your own limitations. The third thing as we wrap up is that I want you to know that God can absolutely work through your brokenness. Sometimes when we find ourselves in a broken state, we just feel like, ah, uh, I'm a goner. Like, like, I, like I failed. I'm, I'm broken. And that, as if there's no coming back from that. But I want to remind you, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, this is what it says. It says, but he said to me, 
My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So you remember this, when you are weak, he is strong. That when you feel in, your, in that broken state, dark cloud, you're like God does his best work, then his power is made perfect in weakness. And sometimes some of you, that you need to experience the power of God in your life, then you just need to admit that you're weak. You need to admit that, that you're broken in some way. And then God does his best work. I'm telling you, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of so many others. I want to give you just a few takeaways. Sing one last song, and uh, we're going to pray for you. I'm going to, we're going to pray for those that feel the dark cloud over their life, maybe for the last couple weeks or even the last few years. Here's the, thing, here's the things I want you to take away today. One, when you leave today, throughout this week, I want you to remember that you have got to fix your stinking thinking. Fix that stinking thinking. The negativity, like I know that seems so trivial, like don't be negative. Like you don't, a lot of people would say that and they don't even have the Bible, but they would, they, everyone would go, don't be negative. Well, I'm telling you, if you continue to be negative, it will wear on your emotional health, your, your mental health. It does. So fix your stinking thinking. There's so many scriptures that can help you understand that that is true. It starts with thinking. So fix your stinking thinking. And two, if you feel like you have that dark cloud and maybe some of the things I shared like really made an alarm go off in you, then you need physical rest. Physical rest. Like Elijah. You need to eat something, drink something, and lay down. Then you need to wake up. You need to eat and drink again. And then go back to bed. Because you don't have the strength for this journey. The third thing for all of us to, to learn and remember is to lean into the Lord. Like, like when you are experiencing life in that dark cloud, let me tell you, there is nothing more precious, more peaceful than being in the presence of God. And, and we get to watch it all the time in our Sunday services. People come heavy, burdened. And then the church, we begin to worship and the presence of God just gets, just fills this place. And people just Oh, we've had people walk into, into church that just say, like, I, I, I walked in, never been to church, and then, like, then the worship started, and I just was like, the Lord is in this place. And all that, all the heaviness and brokenness just began to just fall off of them, chains breaking in the presence of, there's nothing more peaceful than the presence of God. And, and not just in Sunday services, but you can make this a part of your everyday life, walking with the Lord in his word, learning how to pray, and these things. Fix your thinking, have physical rest, lean into the Lord.